The United States Army Corps of Engineers normally does battle against water. This year, not only are they battling water, they're also battling public criticism of how they've managed this year's flood. I've been very critical of the work of the Army Corps and how they're doing it, and I think we need to pursue re potential reorganization of the Corps. We certainly need to make them prioritize flood control. The Corps says the main issue this year has been the extreme weather we've faced. We always work on congressional authorization for uh, either expansion or new projects. Uh, so what we're doing is we're working this flood event as best we possibly can with the projects and the authorizations we have. Hello and welcome to another edition of 41 Files. We're glad to have you with us here on a Friday as we record this podcast. I'm excited to talk to you again. We haven't been able to be in the studio for what seems like a long time now, but glad to be with you. Joined, as always, by digital producer Sam Hartle. Hi, Sam. Hello. I tweeted this earlier today that you know our company is a part of a, we have wellness points mm -hmm. where... Uh, you know, if you you know walk ten steps a day, or you know if you do exercises, or if you're yeah, uh, you know uh, you know have a psychological well being being or whatever, you get these points, and then they go to uh, your your health savings account. Well, today we're earning lots of points. Are we? Well, National Donut Day, uh -huh. and then I think I thought you were going to say we were losing lots well, of points today. I, ultimately, yes, we are. Yeah. probably giving back all. You of need the, the points <laughs> to offset all of the uh, all of the points, the ones you've already. Earned uh, donuts and hot dogs. <laughs> in house, forty one Action News reporter Stephen Dial, who was arguing with me before we started recording. Hi, I Steve. might be here. Oh man! Good morning. We were talking semantics, and as it often does with journalists and words, it got <laughs> heated quickly. It's okay. I still love you. And joining us on the phone, forty one Action News reporter Cat Reed. Hi, Cat. Hello. Glad to have you with us in spirit and in voice, if not in body. We're glad you're here. Yes, I'm in comfortably in my pajamas with my coffee next to me. <laughs> Us too. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, as you heard there from our from our intro that we we shared with you there with some some different sound bites of stories we've covered, we are talking flooding today and uh, the role of how to respond to it, specifically with the U.S. Car uh, U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, which has been the topic of lots of reporter stories, as has flooding. Basically, every reporter on the Forty One Action News staff has done uh, some sort of reporting basically waterlogged over the last couple of months when we've been out in lots of different communities and seems like getting closer to the Kansas City area all the time of places that are either dealing with some mild nuisances from flooding or in most cases people uh, displaced and dealing with major, major issues from all the water we've seen across our area. So we heard there from one of Missouri's two U.S. senators, the newest one, Josh Hawley, at the start calling for the reorganization of the Army Corps of Engineers. Uh, I'm curious about... Um, as we kind of put all this together, Stephen and Kat, you guys have both been out there dealing with, with flooding. What is what is the blame situation look like as we start to talk about this? Is our, our people that you've talked to bringing up, oh, the response from fill in the blank, whether it be the government, the Army Corps of Engineers, has not been what it's been or it's just been, you know what, this is the weather and this is sometimes what happens. What, what's been people's response? You know, being out there in the field, a lot of the property owners do blame the Corps of Engineers, but it's also become a political argument as well. So you hear that from a lot of politicians, you know, the day after some of the worst flooding. Um, I'm going to check the date on this. Uh, it was March. In March, actually, we talked to the governor and he 
immediately talking about say joseph said you know the army corps we need to talk to them about their priorities so i think one thing that would be helpful to help people understand all of this is just to lay out where this all comes from when the controversy kind of began um, which goes back to 2004. So there were some changes uh, the Corps of Engineers made to the waterway through the Missouri River Recovery Program. And so that program was implemented after they consulted with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, um, and there were also some stipulations from the Endangered Species Act. It was designed to kind of restore the natural ecosystem along the river to bring some of these species back to um, to live there. And so that was a change. And then there's also, at the same time, the Corps updated its master manual for water control. And previously, they used to rank their priorities in it, where they'd say flood control is the first priority, fish and wildlife is towards the bottom. Um, after 2004, they removed that ranking. So there's this argument now that this protection of species is now above uh, flood control in their list of priorities. I think another important thing to note is that some of these changes uh, were made at the direction of Congress. So you have kind of an interesting political football being played here with uh, the Army Corps and what its responsibility is. And I'm sorry because I know I'm talking a lot, but I'm going to say one more thing. Um, the other thing that's important to know is that one year ago, a federal judge did rule in favor of a group of 400 Missouri River farmers and said that the Corps was responsible for some of the damage they've sustained um, in the past like six or seven years. Do you do you get the feeling from others that that they when they talk about you said there at the beginning of your answer that there are some that blame the core? Do you think or did you ever have someone tell you they think it's specifically because the core is placing priorities in the wrong place, like they care about fish and wildlife more than they do about flooding or taking care of people who have been inundated? Do you did you get that response at all? Yeah, I, I have um, more so from I would say some of the farmers who have studied this issue extensively. I don't think the regular person necessarily understands that the priorities, you know, the argument that the priorities have changed, but people more in the know who have dealt with this for years uh, do bring that up. Kat, you mentioned that lawsuit uh, in which the Corps lost. Doesn't the taxpayer eventually pay for those loss or pay for that kind of stuff? So together, the plaintiffs claimed they had damage of $300 million from the floods. And uh, truth be told, I don't know the exact amount. I know that it was still in court to determine what amount would be paid out. But yes, they um, were likely going to be compensated for the damages. And that's by, by taxpayers, basically. Can't yeah. And, and the argument that's interesting, and this is kind of a legal nerd, but it, it all comes down to the Fifth Amendment. Like the government must provide compensation for taking private property. Hmm. And so the damage to the property is, is just where that like legal basis comes from. Stephen, what's the the blame game look like as far as stories you've covered? Well, uh, similar to what Kat said, you know, we've been doing a lot of impacts on the farmers. Um, You know, we are, Missouri and Kansas are uh, some of our country's top producers when it comes to soy and grain and some other items. Yeah. And so, um, you know, a lot of farmers aren't even going to be able to plant a crop this year at all because of the flooding. And from talking to people, uh, it's important to note that there are federal levies mm-hmm. and then there are, you know, just regular man-made levies that are uh, in these rural communities uh, that have been breached year after year. And those are year. operated the, either by people or right. by the state or? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
And and so, um, you know, those are the ones that we've been seeing that have been really impacting uh, the farmers' crops and things like that. Or when we do stories on, um, you know, community members filling sandbags yeah. to protect the last levy. Yeah. Uh, that's what that's been from. And so basically the criticism has been, you know, the Army Corps of Engineers, um, one, uh, there's been some criticism over when water is released from north of us and other states, um, the timing of it and giving farmers and other people in those areas enough uh, in advance. Uh, for example, about two months ago, uh, and Richard Sharp, uh, one of our anchor reporters here, he kind of explained it to me because he's done a lot of flooding stories. When we report that, you know, they're releasing a certain amount of cubic whatever's per uh, second or in, yeah. per mm-hmm. second. Richard said a cubic, I think it's a cubic foot or whatever, uh, is the size of a basketball. Mm-hmm. And so they go from releasing 5,000 basketballs a second to releasing like 40,000 yeah. basketballs a second. And so uh, there's been some criticism over just the timing of how much they're releasing because it all is going to trickle down to impacting Missouri. And then, of course, I know we're about to talk about it, but um, I got a chance to talk to Senator Hawley uh, this week about it. Uh, Governor Parson, when I talked to him last week, he said that they need to reorganize and there needs to be more local local input. And Senator Hawley said the same thing. I think we ought to create a council that would advise the Corps on their duties, advise them on their planning, and it should include people from local communities, farmers especially. Uh, That's a change I think we need to make. So, Kat, you hear there from from Senator Hawley talking about a council that would – Give direction to the to the Army Corps for better, lack of a better uh, term. There is that is that something that's doable? Is that something that's possible? Is that something people want? You know, I think that something like that could potentially end the debate that we're in right now because it does seem like something has to give if year after year we're hearing the same argument of it's the Corps' fault and this is why. I think that any opportunity for more people to sit down and talk about management of the river um, could be a, could be a good thing. Stephen, same question to you. I mean, is that is that something where does that does that seem like it's something that could work? I think it's doable. It's a matter of will the core, you know, be willing to 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 do that? Yeah. I think um, with everyone blaming the core. Um, and this is just me speaking as me doing stories. I haven't really heard the core push back much. Like, yeah. you know, you would think if they don't think that they're doing defending themselves. Wrong, you mean. Yeah. yeah. And they might just not be commenting just because they're not commenting. Um, but I haven't heard, hey, I think people are misunderstanding what our role is. Mm-hmm. And I have not heard that. Well, I mean, and, and we'll, we'll play a bite here later on. But they're basically doing what they've been told to do by mm-hmm. Congress. Yeah. yeah. And, and so Congress, you know, Senator Holly, whoever, you know, they can take shots at, at the Army Corps. But ultimately, I think the Army Corps is like, okay, well, if you guys want us to do something differently, mm-hmm. then tell us. Tell us to do something differently. Sure. My question is, it's not like Congress is getting a whole lot of stuff done right now. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and you know, it would be interesting to see politically how this issue falls on, you know, if you're a Democrat and Republican. You know, a lot of these places are, are more Republican rural areas um, to see if, if a consensus could be developed to actually get some stuff done. It, I hate to get too yeah. far into the weeds here, but it, it you see in situations like this potentially some of the trickle down effect of 
when you have a, a, a the investigation like the Mueller report and that kind of things of, of the possibility you, you mentioned Congress not getting a whole lot done. I know you said that kind of tongue in cheek, but it's a situation where so much of what you hear Congress talking about right now is whether or not they're going to impeach the president. And there's there are massive things that I don't want to say they're ignoring, but when we have situation. This is this is generational type flooding that's happening mm-hmm. across Kansas and Missouri that's, that needs attention, um, and maybe it's I think fair to say that right now maybe it's not receiving the attention it deserves because of other things on the political landscape that might be. Cat, I want to get back to flooding for a second because we've we've talked about this this so much and we haven't had a chance really to have a forty one files discussion about about flooding too much. What's what's been the most impactful story you've you've told or person you've met through the course of your reporting on this flooding because I. I I think the tornado situation happening uh, obviously scared so many people because it's it's a threat of, oh, this is happening right now. Here it comes. Are we going to be safe? Are we not? Clearly, the tornado did massive damage. Thankfully, no loss of life, but did massive damage. That in itself is one thing. The flooding, I think, unless you are out there in it or go out and experience it, um, maybe gets lost a little bit easier than the tornado situation did because of that type of emergency what what has impacted you about flooding and your coverage of it you know it was really heartbreaking to see lava sea just completely destroyed there's a couple i interviewed who had this house on on main street lava sea and they put all this work into it they just built a new porch on this beautiful old home and they said that you know even in 93 their home had it flooded and this time it's up to the windows and you know, it's heartbreaking to look at those pictures, to talk to them. They were hoping to stay as long as they could. And then at a certain point, the water was rising quickly and they had to grab whatever they could carry and just kind of run out of there because they couldn't stay any longer. And so just knowing, you know, the devastation left behind, the fact that their homes will just be absolutely just destroyed is really heartbreaking. It's also heartbreaking in talking to this couple, and I met them at the Red Cross shelter in Buckner. The thing that they that she brought up, her name's Kelly Landis. She said that she doesn't see herself rebuilding. She said that you know this just it got to us, and with the weather patterns we've been seeing, I just don't think that we can rebuild. It's it's too scary for me to stay there. That's interesting, and you know, as we as we compare, you you mentioned something there about the differences that, that got me thinking. As we compare, and again, I don't mean to one is worse than the other or anything like that, but just looking at the differences between a tornado situation, the flooding situation, and people who have lived through it. A tornado situation, you're able to stand over and survey and at least see what has happened to whatever you're talking about, your home, your business, your car, your garage, you can see what has done to it. This is a situation in the worst cases like Levesey that you're mentioning there where they can't even really see anything. The flooding has taken over so much where you don't even get a chance for these victims to understand the full scope of something because, one, they can't see much, and, two, they can't get back to where they're trying to get to. They can't even get into their homes in some of these situations. Stephen, you've seen a lot of that, too, as you've been out. Yeah, and I was talking to one farmer um, to our north, and he was saying, you know, from the agricultural standpoint, you know, even when the the waters recede and everything dries up, uh, they were talking about how— uh, because of the floodwater, so much sand and other things are in the dirt sure. that prevents being able to plant. And and so so many other things, is they actually aren't as, um, the shocking part is not, they aren't as 
concerned about the water is about what happens when the water is gone. Yeah. Because that's a whole nother process that you have to do. I was going to make a comment, Taylor, that when you were comparing uh, the tornadoes and flooding, you know, for the past week, we've done a partnership with the Red Cross um, for victims, not just the tornadoes and and the flooding. Um, When we were setting up that partnership, we got a little bit of an insight from the Red Cross in that a lot of the victims of tornado uh, damage, that's typically to houses and typically insurance Covers, plays a, a pretty important role. Uh, and, and as part of that, a lot of insurance policies will, will put homeowners up for, you know, in like a hotel or something like that. And so for the Red Cross perspective, on a tornado, they don't necessarily devote a whole lot of resources like in Linwood to providing a shelter necessarily there because most people have accommodations. Flooding is a completely different story. And it's a much longer, long-duration process. Um, so when you're talking about impacts of weather, uh, from the Red Cross's perspective, flooding is, is a, an entirely different beast. And we've talked about many times, we've, we've said that, and our entire meteorology team will talk about on a regular basis, that more people die from flooding than they do from tornadoes on a regular basis in, in, in America. And that's, it's, it's one of the most uh, severe kinds of disaster situations we, we can experience. And I think a lot of people miss that. And the, the thing moving forward, too, is, and we want to play some more from the uh, Army Corps here, is they are already kind of expecting this to continue through the summer. This is a situation where more flooding, this is not going to go away immediately. They've got more rain they expect uh, over the course of the summer. Listen to what they say about moving forward for the next few months and what this battle may continue to look like. Uh, We're not done with this flood event. Uh, This prolonged flood period has been going on since about middle of March. Uh, There are many communities that have not seen floodwaters recede very much since then. And so they just got to stay at it and they have to be super careful because it's dangerous conditions out there. Does it make it challenging when the Missouri River is so high? Uh, from what perspective? For, from just managing everything. I, uh, I well, so, yeah, so fo- in here we, we do what we do to supplement state and local efforts to do a flood fight. So the higher the water is and the longer it stays on levee systems, the tougher it is. Flood fights are extremely labor intensive. Uh, it's hard work, sandbags are heavy. Sandbags are the tool of choice for most flood fights. And so the longer it goes, uh, those small rural communities just don't have the resources uh, to do a prolonged event. So the flood fight is the mention you get there from the Army Corps of Engineers. And we, we, we touched on it at the top of this podcast talking about um, options to change or options to look at how the Army Corps should redo it. Cat, uh, I'll start with you. As, as this moves forward and this continues to move into the summer, when the temperatures get hotter and, and everything gets more pronounced, we can talk about councils to look at how the Army Corps should do, but it's not like that's going to be created between now and next week. Uh, this fight is going to move forward through the summer. What do you see uh, the next step in this as far as, yes, that's a great idea, whether it be Senator Hawley or whoever wants to change it, but until we, until we do, this is what we're looking at, and here's why it's a problem and or not. I think we'll just continue to hear the same complaints of everyone, um, you know, will mention the core and say and blame at least some of the flooding on the core. But I think people will also say, and another thing I've heard is I've never seen this much water before. This is a very unusual year. This has been a, just a wild, wild pattern. And so I think people realize that 
this is Mother Nature, and they can't put all of their their blame on the Army Corps. And, you know, that's the other thing I did want to mention about the council that Holly is proposing. You know, the Army Corps does receive recommendations from this Missouri River Recovery Implementation Committee, and that has about 70 stakeholders on it. Um, including people on the federal level, states, tribal, and and uh, <clears throat> excuse me, river industry representatives. So I guess you do have to wonder how much another advisory council could could really put a dent in things, and how long that would take. I'll jump in here real quick um, as it relates to you know whether your opinion on climate change is 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 a part of this or not. You know if this is a possible impact of it. Would it be prudent as part of a longer-term solution and say, okay, whether this is climate change or not, we apparently do need to make some fortifications on our system. Yeah. Let's let's get that out of the way, and then if climate change does, you know, come along and is more pronounced than maybe we think or whoever causes it, at least we have that preparation already taken care of. Sure, Kat, I want to ask you too about the we you know, it's. I wish that we didn't have to bring politics into this, but it, it kind of, because of the people we've heard from and, and the overall situation, it kind of marries a little bit. How much of this uh, is important, for lack of a better word, uh, for Governor Parson uh, and his political future, do you find? Because uh, this is obviously something, the response to this, he's been very vocal about. He's been one of the ones leading the charges about uh, the Army Corps of Engineers needs to be looked at. We need to consider the way they do things and maybe change the way they do things. More people need to be involved. Um but still, the, the response to this is, is on his watch as governor of the state. Moving forward, do you feel like this is something that he is uh, really trying to make a mark on or, or, or not? I do. I think that this is a, a really big political push right now, and especially you see with Senator Hawley doing the same. So I think that it, it's also hard when you see the devastation and, you know, see how much damage has been done to people's livelihoods, to their homes. I mean, as a leader, you have to sit back and say, what can I do to change this or prevent this? And so I think there is a desire. And I think regardless of party, anyone would have a desire to try and address what's happening and try to make things better for the people that they represent. So, you know, the way people do it might differ based on party, but I think that it's a natural response to the weather we've been seeing. I'll follow up. So, to me, it is and it's not. You know, it's not like, and Taylor, to your comment about legislative priorities, you know, we all covered, uh, you know, the, the 2018 election uh, last year, which which involved, you know, all of the House races uh, in our area, um, a senator a senator race. I know, Kat, you kind of covered the, the governor's race on the Kansas side. Mm-hmm. I don't recall any conversations about flood control on, on that. Yeah. Uh, and so clearly there had to be an event. That, that had to happen for this to be top of mind. Uh, and so when the waters recede, um, some are saying maybe not until November, uh, is, this, is this going to, is the political will also going to recede? Um, the evidence suggests that it might, I think, probably. It strikes me as one of those things that, that is so much about, about response in the moment, and because you can't, you know, you can't necessarily campaign, even in the aftermath, you, you look bad by campaigning on something that you responded to. But I, you know, it, this is obviously on a, on a smaller scale, but I think about George W. Bush's presidency and one of the biggest marks against his presidency 
at the time and his history still looks back on it is the response to the hurricane situation in the Gulf Coast right. and, and how how his administration, how FEMA responded to that both in the moment and in the days and weeks and months afterwards. Um, so I think there, the the political weight that Kat was mentioning there uh, is is very evident to any especially seasoned politician. Hopefully, hopefully it is. Yeah. Kat? Yeah, I think that's a really important point. People, you know, when something impacts your home, your property, uh, that can influence your vote. Because it's a more, some of the other things that people vote on tend to be a little bit more abstract sometimes, whether it be, yeah. you know, my, my pocketbook or I, I make more money under this situation and this person brought this in. But no, this, I had a flood and I wanted someone that was able to handle it. And so we'll have to see moving forward. Um, and we, you know, we, we'd be remiss if we didn't say how uh, Governor Kelly's handling the tornado situation as well in Kansas. So it's uh, both of those things that um, two governors in their first term in office are having to uh, to deal with. Uh, as we wrap up 41 Files today, and I wanted to hear more from Stephen, but Stephen had to step out because he's got another story he's covering right now. I think it might actually be breaking news. I think he is outside breaking Ooh. news that he had to step out on possibly right now. So he's, he's out working on that. But uh, we also want to, of course, mention what's going on where you can still donate. Uh, if you go to K KSHB.com, as uh, Sam mentioned earlier, uh, we have partnered with the American Red Cross to raise money uh, for disaster relief. If you go to KSHB.com right now, at the top of the homepage, there's kind of a navy blue banner there where you can click on that. That will take you to the, the page that has all the details you need to know, and then you can click where to donate there. And that will take you to a separate page that you're able to actually commit some money. And so far, uh, over the course of about a week and a half or right out a week, I think we are um, almost to ten thousand dollars is what we've been able to raise so far. Which, if if you're part of that donation group, we can't thank you enough for every penny you gave. If you're listening to this and thinking, man, I, I should do something like that, please do. I, I put some links to it on my Facebook page. I know most of us have. Um, you can find it on the Forty One Facebook page as well. Uh, any amount of money can help. So go and, and take part in that and um, and help out people uh, around you because you never know when you might need some help yourself. Taylor, I wanted to switch, to switch topics just a smidge. Sure. I wanted to ask, so you uh, you took uh, one of your sons out to the ball yard. I did. Yesterday, <laughs> how was it? Um, it was it was great. Uh, it was we went out to see the Royals take on the Red Sox, and uh, we were afraid of of rain. There had been some rain in the forecast all week, but it ended up being a perfect day. Uh, won those tickets at a silent auction here at Forty One Action News. Uh, great seats. I, uh, we you were, paid, and you guys were decked out in blue. We we my my wife texted me. Of course, I I work until noon every day ish, and my wife texted me at nine o'clock uh, yesterday morning and said uh, Corbin is already dressed. In, and the game was at 12.15, and he was already dressed head-to-toe in blue. Royals hat, royal shirt, blue shorts, blue socks, blue shoes. Uh, he was ready to go. Um, the The excitement waned a little bit as the game and the temperature <laughs> moved on, uh, but uh, we came home with a foul ball that I should have caught. It hit me in the hand, in my, in my bare hand, and I dropped it, but someone next to me was nice enough to give it to him because I had a cute four-year-old with me. So... Uh, a uh, lot of lot of fun. Um, even even, and I was thinking about actually that this morning, not to go too far off, but that's that's the thing to me sometimes about baseball. And even the Royals will tell you that attendance is not great. It was not great yesterday. That's just that's the thing about a baseball game is even when they're not great, it just feels like something you're supposed to do during the summer and and to be outside and have some ice cream and watch a baseball game and sweat. Uh, maybe get maybe, a sunburn. Maybe get a little bit of a sunburn. Yeah. It, that it just feels very summery, and it was it was nice to experience. It's very romantic. It's an American pastime. <laughs> Nostalgia. I'm actually going tonight, so. Woo. Are you going to Big Slick also or just to the, to the baseball game? 
No, just the baseball game. I'm actually very excited. I'm going to um, I'm going to start volunteering um, with one of our pet shelters in the area. And so I have a volunteer orientation and then heading out for the main game. My parents are going to be in town and head out with me. That is fantastic. I I, I think maybe I saw a sign for fireworks tonight, too, while I was there. Oh, yesterday. fireworks Friday? I think there. Maybe? I, I could be wrong, but I, I'm almost certain I saw a sign yesterday while I was at the Thursday game that joined us for fireworks tomorrow night. So... Taylor, you brought up the uh, the foul ball. That's my I did. As a as a kid, I never caught a home run. Mm-hmm. I never caught a foul ball. Mm-hmm. And so my mm-hmm. my my dilemma is as an adult, mm-hmm. if I go to a game and I finally catch mm-hmm. a foul ball, a home run, and there's a kid next to me. Yes. I've got to give it to the kid. Yes, that's, right? the, that's the answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I thought you were going to rib me about dropping it because my, my co-anchor, Lindsay Shively, did that a lot this morning. Um, and that is, I told someone else, that's why I don't ever take a, a glove to the game. So I have an excuse as to why I dropped, dropped it. Dropped yeah. mm-hmm. it. Was, it was a barehanded catch. Um, so that's, that's why it, was, uh, it, it didn't happen. But, yes, if there's a child next to you and you're a grown person, you, you kind of have to give it to them. That's the rule. Yeah, although if I've had a couple of beers, that might be no. I'll because you know that that stuff's on camera too. Yeah, and so if, if you don't give it to the kid, that's going to go viral on on, that's on right. the internet, and it's not going to end out well. So yeah. Before we go, Stephen's walking back in. Stephen, did you just break news? Is is news breaking right now? News is breaking in a way, uh, but so several news outlets are reporting that. Um, the Johnson County District Attorney's Office is no longer criminally investigating Tyree Kill. Okay. To our knowledge, and Sam, back me up if I'm incorrect here. Uh, to our knowledge, they a case was not reopened. That that's what uh, in our in our reporting, uh, and I and I forget on the exact date. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was in connection, maybe just the uh, maybe the first day of the draft or, or something like that, yeah. um, where you know we were talking. The Chiefs made a reference to it. The NFL made a reference to it that the investigation may have been reopened. Uh, in our in our reporting, um, the, the Johnson County District Attorney's never never really confirmed that. Okay, um, and subsequently they've offered no comment on on inquiries as it relates to that. Um, you know, certainly the defense attorney, I believe, had intimated in a letter that the district attorney at least was in possession of some of the stuff. Um, but it sounds like that whatever whatever happened, uh, that that they're ready to move on. And so I just got off the phone with Tyree Kill's attorney, okay. And we uh, had a lengthy conversation about multiple things. But what I can say on the record mm-hmm. from him is, he says that uh, that's been my understanding for some time now that the charges uh, that um, there's there no, was criminal no criminal investigation, investigation, or that an investigation reopened and just reclosed. Uh, he said, my understanding has been that the investigation was closed for some time now. All right. So, so that's why I died. No, no problem. As, as we wrap up, and just to, to talk about this for a second, important to note that just because there is no criminal investigation does not mean the team can still not take action, does not mean the league can still not take action against Tyreek Hill. So we are no way, in no way saying Tyreek Hill is free and clear here, that we're just understanding that there's no active criminal right. investigation and against the, the family, Chiefs receiver. And the family court issue is still going That's to be still ongoing, ongoing okay. for some time now right. as well. That's not even going to end tomorrow. That will be going on for a while because there's multiple steps in place as far as um, – you know, custody and all that jazz and reintegration and all of that. So okay. that will go on for some time. All right. We appreciate you bringing us up to date on that. Taylor, Again. can I make one more plug? Please do. So both Stephen and I will be – we've had a couple of podcasts about the Kansas City mayoral race. Yes. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. That's right. And so we have the big debate. Kat would, would have been there, but she's going to be out of town next week. Um, 
So unfortunately, otherwise she would be, of course, you know, playing a front and center, a, sure. front front and center role. Um, but uh, at the West, or no, at the Plaza Branch of the Kansas City Public Library from six thirty to seven thirty next Wednesday, June twelfth. Quentin Lucas and uh, Jolie Justice, we've both had on the podcast, mm-hmm. will be uh, sparring. Yeah. In uh, the second to last mayoral verbally forum. sparring, verbally sparring. <laughs> well, you know they'll both be on stage. That's an important note. You never know what might happen, but that's an important note to put in there. So uh, that's that's coming up next Wednesday, right? Or right. This, this coming Wednesday, right? Mm-hmm. The Wednesday 12th. the twelfth. Mm-hmm. Uh, Krista Dubill, Kevin Holmes will be on stage, uh, peppering them with questions that they can verbally spar about. And if you can't make it in person, the library does uh, hope that uh, you can RSVP um, on their Facebook page just so they have an idea of uh, who all is coming. But if you can't make it but still want to participate, we'll have that live on uh, on our Facebook page, live on the app, live on our OTT, uh, which is Roku, Amazon Fire. Live on TV. 38 The Spot. Live on 38 The Spot, yep. KMCI. Um, and, and may I point out that although I will not be there in person, I will be watching and there in spirit, I will be in Houston at the investigative reporting conference, picking up some skills to investigate whichever one becomes mayor. Mm. Oh, I thought you were going to say you'd be there teaching classes on investigative reporting. Oh, That's what oh. I thought you were going to oh, say, Carrie. Oh, you're so nice. No, no, no. I'm there to learn from the masters. Perfect. Well, we wish you luck in that and hope everyone can take part in the forum in some way, both either in person or digitally next week. For Kat Reed, for Stephen Dial, for Sam Hartle, I'm Taylor Hemnes. Thanks again for joining 41.5. See ya. Taylor's staying for the uh, the hot dog pow tea. Correct. Yeah. I want I want to meet the puppies and know why. You wait, can't be wait. Happy. There's there puppies. There will be pup- You what? just spoiled the secret. There will be <sighs> animals. Are you? Are you in uh, Chris? No, you're. You have your own. I team. didn't spoil any secrets. Yes, you did. No, no one didn't. knew that. It was a secret. No, I'm not going to. She put things in the elevator. But no one knew that there was going to be real dogs. It says it on the elevator no. sign. I read the elevator sign. And it says it. It doesn't say dogs will be here. Yes, it does. No, it doesn't. Okay. It said if you're on the phone at a. No, that's what one sign said. What the, the other, other sign say? Oh, I thought you read it, Stephen. I'm asking. Oh, what my. the other sign say? Hold on. Let me pull you're up the picture of email. Yes. I didn't see I dogs thought, will I mean, be here. You said you you said you read it, so I just thought I for did sure read it. That let's see. Hmm. This is why we can't trust Taylor with national secrets. Join us for our hot dog Friday party, new to one Friday. There might be real puppies. Might. I'm right. d- I'm I'm done. Might.